that you see the shadow in the back of the room. He's the one directing traffic. He is the one that we're afraid of. He's the one that's king slime. He's pulling the shots. He is the most dangerous of the 28 judge. Alright? I implore you not to grab him a bond. He is dangerous. The setup they have given to you is actually going to be less controlled. If he gets a Dharma judge and the court may know this, a lot of the communications that Mr. Williams is on is on FaceTime. Because it's not traceable, it's not trackable. And we know that to be their MO. He gets a burner, he gets in there, he runs his gang from inside, and he won't get that, and no one's gonna throw his cell. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera, and I am once again, solo dolo, producer Corey, once again, slaving away, giving it 130%. Give this man a raise. It's unbelievable. Corey has said that the only thing he wanted the listeners to know is that the Rangers are going to lose this series. So I'm sorry, AJ, CFO of Goop City Goblins. That parlay doesn't look too good right now. But, you know, go Devils. So that this is a Devils pod. I'm putting it out there now. Um, but anyway... The big news is obviously that the what that the NBA finals are tied 1-1 right now and we're heading back to Boston. I think we were all a little bit surprised by Golden State dropping game 1 at home, but they really came back and stormed back in game 2 to even up the series. The first and only best bet that I'm going to give out right now that I'm looking at for game 3 is Steph Curry over 10 and a half rebounds and assists. It's at minus 115. You could probably line shop it a little bit. Uh, actually, it's it's that. And I part of the thing is with Curry is you know he's been he's actually gotten hooked at that 10 the last two games, but he had hit it in seven of his prior nine games. Um, look, I think it's a good spot for it's a good spot for Steph. I don't anticipate a blowout, and I think that he should be able to you know go over that line. He gets the rebounds. He gets the assists. I, I actually wrote an article, and this is a play out of one of our guests, Monotone Football. It's a guest. It's a play out of one of his, you know, playbooks, really. But Curry, two first quarter assists and two first quarter rebounds. It's plus one sixty five on DraftKings under the same game parlay feature. One of the things that's nice about these props is that you can really look at the rotations and Curry, he plays essentially the entire first quarter every time he gets out there. So that's obviously notable because he's going to play 12 minutes. He's going to get more opportunity there before he rests in different quarter. And like when they're putting out these props, it's kind of tough for the books to, to juice it too high one way or the other, because they're already saying, you know, he's a 10 and a half rebounds and assists for the game. So you're going to get a good number because you're basically saying he's going to get four in the first quarter. So I'm looking at that. And then the other pick that I'm looking at is Jalen Brown over two and a half turnovers. Uh, last game he had two, but prior to that, he had gone over that in four straight games and he's averaging three over the course of the playoffs. So he's gone over this in nine of 20 games, but given the, you know, given Golden State's defense, I think they were going to see him go over this one more time. But with that, 
let's get into the let's get into the analysis here. Let's get into the nitty gritty just a little bit. First off, we are going to talk a little bit about the shot selection in this series. If we break down what's going on here, I know I was touting it, but Brandon and I, we put out that huge props piece about, you know, what player props and like what props we were looking at for the series as a whole. And one of the conclusions that we came to is that we thought there were going to be a ton of three pointers taken during this series. And so far we were right. You know, the Celtics, they've made 36 of 78 and the the Warriors have taken even more. They've made 34 of 82. So although they made two less, they've taken more shots. Um, And the thing is they both are on pace to break the record for threes in a finals with 95 plus, that was actually a Warriors record. Uh, they put they put up 94. But the thing here is that we we know we're going to see at least five games this series, and I don't envision a backdoor sweep here by either you know a gentleman sweep by either the Celtics or the Rap or by either the Celtics or the Warriors rather. And the Celtics they need 59 threes. The Warriors need 61. That's about. If this series only goes five games, that's 20 per game. That's a lot. But once you hit six and seven, 15 and 12 per game, we should hit that easily considering what the numbers that they've both put up here. So they're both on pace to break that record. And we saw the line drop from plus 175 after game one, and now it's actually off the board. So that's one of those picks that, you know, hopefully you were able to get it in, but it showed kind of the way that we were looking at the series and the way, and you know, it's not super surprising. Um, one of the things that I think was interesting though, is in game one, the Celtics, they tried to play drop coverage against Steph Curry and the Warriors in the first quarter, which, you know, I talked about it. I didn't think it was crazy to try because if it works, then that's awesome. That's fantastic. If it works, it didn't work. So, you know, it's not super surprising, but since then we've seen, you know, Curry, he's having to work a little bit harder to get his points. It's a little bit tougher of a situation for him. So I like, I think that given the defensive schemes and stuff, like we should see the series slow down a little bit, which is a little problematic for the threes bet, obviously, but that still goes into shot selection. Like these teams want to shoot a lot of threes. Um, but what this is doing is it's, uh, there's a couple players that I think are unplayable right now. Andre Guadal looks absolutely washed guy just cannot be on the floor. And that was actually one of the problems in game one, you know, he was really hurting their spacing because in game one, he was, you know, you saw him like he's he's not the best shooter. He's standing around in the dunker spot, which for those of you that don't know, that's, you know, like the area in the paint, like around the low block. Um, and, and you know, he's clogging up their space and he's allowing himself to be covered by somebody who can also then help on drives. It's, it's pretty problematic. But the Warriors adjusted. Obviously, he was hurt. You never want to see anybody get hurt. But... When he's not on the floor, that's a good thing for the Warriors. Um, Otto Porter Jr. I thought was going to have a bigger role offensively in game two. Uh, I bet his over six and a half points. I'm going to look and see where that is. I, I'm trying not to guess about rotations because I think it's problematic with props, and that's something that I need to um, to look at and consider moving forward. But the thing is, he was awesome. He was a plus 27 in like 18 minutes. So he's going to play because the numbers are good. 
but it's just a matter of how involved he's going to be in the offense. Now, the concern here that I have for Boston is that I think that Robert Williams is borderline unplayable because they just, they're really struggling getting the spacing and the pick and roll working for him. The interesting thing here is that the Warriors adjusted and normally like you don't want to be the first people to adjust in a series, but the Warriors adjusted first. And what they're doing is they're putting Draymond on Jalen Brown. And this is something that they did in the Maverick series where they put Draymond on Jalen Brunson and it helped like clog up their offense a little bit. Because if you think about it, Boston doesn't have that true point guard. that's part of why we bet on Tatum to lead the series in assists because they don't have that point guard. You know, Derek White's been great. He's good on defense. Sure. Marcus Smart struggled in game two, but has overall been good. He's, he's got a significant impact on defense. Great. Jalen Brown, not the best dribbler. And the problem with that is he's not used to the type of physicality that Draymond can give to him. And because he's not the best dribbler, he can't really beat him off the dribbler, the dribble. Draymond is literally a top defensive player all time. Absolute sin that he wasn't on the t- on the 75 list. And you're kind of you kind of nerfed him. You nerfed Jalen Brown because he can't drive on Draymond Green because he's not a good dribbler. And what this is doing is it's clogging their offense because Jalen Brown rather than like just parking his ass in the corner, taking Draymond out of the play, he's staying on the strong side next to Tatum in the corner. So that complicates the space in there. You're putting Draymond on the small, on the strong side, clogging up passing lanes, putting him in a spot to help, putting him on a spot to, to pivot, putting him on a spot to switch. And besides that, he started doing what Iguodala was doing and standing in the paint. So Tatum, there was a play like Matt Moore broke it down really well. He, on his article on the action network, Tatum, he beat the guy off the dribble and just ran right into Draymond green because Tatum or because Jalen Brown was standing under the, under the basket. And then it was a miss. So those are things that like you assume rational coaching, but the problem is we can't do that. And like, I get that the Celtics have not lost consecutive games this postseason, And a lot of that is because of Ime Udoka's adjustments. He's a great coach. Could have won coach of the year. The problem is we can't assume that. We can't assume that he's going to make a rational adjustment here. And it's problematic because you have the situation where even though Tatum is a good facilitator, we've seen that he's a great shooter, he's a great scorer, he still doesn't have the best handle. As he doesn't have the best handle, he can't break down defenses in the same way that a guy like, I don't know, like Luka Doncic can, or even Steph Curry can, or like a Kyrie Irving. Like these are guys that have like that handle that they can break it down every time. Like they are they are a bucket, but it's because of the fact that they can get their own bucket a lot of times. And we've seen that development actually from Steph because Steph is like leading the pick and roll and it's been pretty effective. And that's not something that we've seen normally in the Golden State bag of tricks. We normally see a lot of off ball movements. We see a lot of screens. We don't see a lot of pick and roll, but Steph's running that pick and roll and it's working. It's effective. It's another tool. And that's one of the other issues for Boston with Robert Williams and with Grant Williams, both the Williams. They're not great at playing switch. 
They play a lot of drop. And Grant Williams is maybe a touch better than Robert Williams playing switch. But they're not good at it. And what this is doing is it's allowing the Warriors to take uh, like a huge advantage. And this is one of my concerns beginning at the beginning of the series with the Celtics and the difference that I saw between these two teams. I think that Boston has arguably a better roster, even though they don't have the best player. The best player is Steph Curry. But the problem is, is that Boston's roster, I know we, talk, we, we do, there's been a lot of talk about how Golden State doesn't have a lot of two-way players right now because you have guys that like can't score. Like you have Looney, who's like kind of a negative offensively in terms of scoring the basketball. Draymond's not the best scorer. He's a great offensive facilitator. He's not a good scorer. Then, you know, you have, um, you have like Gary Payton the second. He's not like the best quote unquote scorer. So you have this like weird scenario where now, like if Clay's not scoring and Poole's not scoring, you know, you don't have all these two-way players and you're putting a lot of this weight on Curry. But my issue with Boston is that they don't have the depth in their bench in the same way that Golden State does. Like Golden State, they can go to, down their bench. They, if, they need, if they need another shooter, you got Moses Moody on the bench. You have Jonathan Kamingo on the bench who can kind of fill in that Draymond role. He's obviously not as good, but you have that type of depth. Like you have different, you have different things, you, can, you have different looks that you can throw out there. Whereas with the Boston Celtics, if you can't play Robert Williams and you can't play Grant Williams, now you're seeing Daniel Tice minutes and Tice is like a minus 20 something in less than that many minutes on the series. That's not good. That's not what you want. So I think that's my concern moving forward for Boston now is like, how do you respond to these things that the Warriors have done that worked? It's not like the Warriors made an adjustment and then like Boston was able to immediately come back and say like, oh, we have an answer for that. They ultimately didn't have an answer for that in game two. They didn't have an answer to Draymond Green being put onto Jalen Brown. And what that did was it led to a game where, you know, Tatum, he put up 28 points, but he couldn't move the ball around. Jalen Brown still had 17, but he was five of 17 shooting, only had three assists. Like Boston as a team didn't have a lot of assists. And if the spacing's wrong, the spacing's fucked, for lack of a better term, that offense is not good enough to keep up with Golden State, especially considering Golden State's defense is a little bit underrated in this series. Like, I know the big conversation going into this was like, oh, it's the best offense versus the best defense. But really, Golden State's got a great defense, too. And you're seeing that now. So if Boston can't get the Warriors in the mud offensively that's how they that's like really where they need to play because like we have sure we haven't seen like that outlier shooting performance from boston like we saw it a little bit in the fourth quarter it'll come i'm sure but golden state ceiling is high if clay's cooking jordan Poole's cooking if steph's cooking I don't think Boston can outscore them over the course of a full game if, if, if Golden State's having a great shooting day. 
So you kind of have hit this point now where I don't know what the adjustments are for Boston. And a lot of that's because of the personnel that they have. Like you're not going to play Aaron Naismith. It's not going to happen. Like it's just, it's bad minutes. Luke Cornett can't play him. Like Sam Hauser, Stauskas. Like these are all guys that like played because Boston was getting blown out. You can't play those guys for real. They're un, they're completely unplayable in the series. While, where if you look at Golden State, they have other guys. Like you could put Kaminga in there for meaningful minutes. You could put Moses Moody in there for meaningful minutes. You could put Juan Toscano Anderson in there for meaningful minutes. And although like I think Iguodala is kind of cooked right now, there's a role that he could play. And I think that's the edge that I'm seeing right now in Golden State is that because they've countered Boston and Boston hasn't responded really that well, especially in game two, I want to, I need to like see that Boston can actually counter what they did. And sure, like, you know, they're going to go home. The role players are going to play better. That's just generally how it works. But like, who are you asking to play better here? Derek Wright White's played great. He's putting up 12 points a game again. You know, he, he missed a lot of field goals in game two, but he's playing good defense. He's making his threes. And, you know, Horford had a bad game, but he just didn't even shoot. Horford only took four shots. Mark Smart was one for six from, from the field, so you figure that'll regulate a little bit. But Robert Williams clearly is either A, not healthy, or B, is getting schemed out of this series. And that's a, that's a big problem for Boston, in my opinion. So when I'm looking at this series, there's a couple things going on now. Boston is like kind of like a slight favorite. They obviously took home court. I don't envision them going up 3-1. I struggle to see Golden State really going up 3-1. You can bet it, bet 3-6-5 for the series to be tied 2-2 at minus 105. Chris Raybon on the, on the heat check and space that we did the other day, he had a good point, and he was like, you know, well, if you think Golden State's going to take one of these games, you could just bet their money line in game three, and then there it's a plus money number. If they lose, then you could always bet it again in game four. It's probably going to be a plus money number again. So that's one strategy you could take. Because I, I don't know if I want to play the one-to-one where the series is tied 2-2 just because I'm not totally sure – if Boston doesn't make the adjustments and they just look lost out there again, can they respond then in game four? Who knows? And at that point, then you'd have a closeout game five in Golden State if the Warriors were to go up 3-1, which I think is I think is still a tall task. But I think that's that's you know, that's something that could be in play. So a couple of things that I'm looking at here in the series now is can Horford step up? Can he be better? Because they need him. Boston needs him. And then from Golden State side, they are trying so hard to get Klay Thompson ready. And the thing with Klay is he struggled in the series, obviously. He's like one of eight from three last night or the other night in game two. He's only scored 26 points during the series. You can bet him right now to score over 16 and a half points. And I wrote this up with Brandon for his points per game average. 
So he's obviously a little behind the eight ball for 16 and a half points over, you know, this many games. He's seven behind. You would need 33 to be at that pace right now. So he's at 26. But the thing is with Clay, in every game, every series so far, he's had one 30 point game. He's getting the volume. Golden State wants him to score. When is that coming? We know it's coming. That's just what Clay does. He's going to have that microwave explosion of a game where he drops 30, 32, something like that. And if Clay gets that 30 point game, suddenly the numbers change dramatically. And then he only needs to average. If he has a 30-point game and the series goes five, in the other games, he needs to average 13.25. If he has a 30-point game and the series goes six, he needs to average 14.3. If the series goes seven, 14.9. Those numbers sound a lot better, especially considering he averages 19.1 points during this postseason and 19.9 over the course of the entire season, regular season included. I think this is a buy low spot for Clay, especially on this prop. And if you think this, if you think that he's going to do this, you should be betting on him to lead the series in threes. Because I think they've changed the way that they cover Curry. They're going to try to make Curry, they're going to try to stop Curry and is going to leave this guy open. He's eight behind, sure, sure, sure. It's a lot of threes. It makes it almost impossible for him to get there. But at 40 to one, it's worth a couple bucks. Throw that guac money on it. I don't think he'll be that disappointed. So I think what I'm trying to say is I've definitely cooled on my Boston take. I don't know if Boston wins the series. I want to see how they adjust because I think this is like the first like real significant test where they're closely gunned because look, they got through Brooklyn was a joke. Milwaukee didn't have Chris Middleton, Miami yet it injured Jimmy Butler for a bit. Kyle Lowry didn't look the same. And also they're just like, Miami just wasn't that good. They were good, but like none of us had them in, in the finals. Now, you're facing a team that has the pedigree, they have the coaching, they have the talent. And they've come back with that huge punch in game two. And if you really look at this, had they not had that crazy quarter, maybe they're down 2-0. I don't know. So I think that I'm probably going to be betting Golden State money line game three. I don't think that there's a reason to really bet them on the series because it's like minus, it's like even money right now. I already have a lot of exposure on Golden State anyway, but you could if you, if, if that's the way that you're feeling, because I think I've kind of laid it out here for you. And the thing is, I, I want to see that adjustment from Boston. And I don't know, I don't know if they have the right personnel to do that. So that's why I'm kind of leaning Golden State right now. Because I think that their options are more limited unless they can tighten up their scheme. And like some of the things are easy, like spacing, whatever. 
But just because you space Jalen Brown out and you get the right spacing with Draymond covering him, that doesn't mean that they're going to do better because you're still effectively taking Jalen Brown out of the offensive equation. And you're saying like, all right, Tatum, go ahead. You do it. Maybe he can. I think it's a tall task. I think it's tough. And I think it's, you know, it's a big ask. So I kind of like the Warriors still. I, I think I've come back. I think I've come around on them a little bit more because I like the adjustments that they're making. And I just, I really think that they have more personnel moving forward. So let me know what you guys think of this. Maybe we can do an update before game four. This is the quickest turnaround of the finals. Maybe I can do an extra pod in there, throw in a Belmont pick or two. Do like Mo Donegal. So maybe we'll give you a little bit more of an update for that. But for my recommendations for pods and recs, I am going to recommend air conditioning. Just turn that shit on. It's great. I read some article about how the United States is like one of the only countries in the world. It's like we disproportionately use air conditioning. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I just, I don't care. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to keep using it. Like, is it 65 degrees outside and my air conditioning is on 67? All right. Like maybe a little unnecessary, but like I run hot. I need that. I need it. So I'm going to recommend air conditioning. Don't be ashamed to use your air conditioning. Don't turn it off. Like, just leave it on. Like, you're going to be out for the whole day. Just, like, I don't know, pop it up to, like, 73. At least it won't have to restart completely. There's just nothing better than that feeling of walking into that cold wall of air. I love it. It's literally one of the – I think it's a top five feeling in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think we could say that. So, (laughs) with that, follow it up in the Action app. Check out that article that's coming out with me and Brandon for our updated series props update. Hopefully you can tail them and we'll get it. And, uh, you know, we'll get a couple more picks and you'll just be chilling. You won't even be sweating these picks because you'll be in the fresh, cold air of air conditioning. Let's catch that.